You are listening to Trailcast on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello, and welcome to episode 18 of Trailcast on Mountain Bike Radio. If you want to support Mountain Bike Radio, head over to the website at mountainbikeradio.com and look at becoming a member or hit the shop over there, pick something up. If you shop on Amazon, you can also support Mountain Bike Radio by clicking on our affiliate link at the top of the support page at mountainbikeradio.com, and it won't cost you anything extra, but it'll give us just a little kickback from uh, whatever you spend on Amazon. Now, I realize that uh, some people feel like the wilderness subject has pretty much been wrung out until we actually get a result from the STC's current approach to the access challenge that we face. Um, I want to take a bit of an optimistic bent here, though, and, and answer a listener question all at the same time. If you recall from the interview with Dave, he clearly stated that the STC was going to give individual managers of wilderness areas the ability to choose whether or not they would allow mountain biking on their particular wilderness area. And then it would be up to local organizations to work with the wilderness area managers to build the relationships to gain access there. So at the risk of sounding like I'm on a complete tangent, uh, let me sidetrack. You've maybe heard of the, the new show on Mountain Bike Radio, or since there are apparently a couple of new shows, um, specifically, I'm talking about the Engineer's Corner with Phil. Um, really, this segment of the podcast is his fault, so shout out to Phil. Um, if you haven't checked out his show yet, do so, not only because Phil is a, a guy I've enjoyed hitting some trails with when the opportunity presented itself, but he's also uh, a pretty smart guy and pretty likable, too. So so check that out. But look, Phil asked me one day um, after that interview, he said, who manages wilderness areas? What government entity is it? Park Service? BLM? Uh, you know, does one of them report to the other one? Uh, you know, what, what's what's the deal? Well, you know, I told him, I said, the answer is yes. Um, but uh, Phil wanted it to get, you know, kind of deep into the subject, I guess. And, and it was it was pretty difficult to explain over, uh, I think it was Facebook Messenger or something we're having the conversation on. Um, and I told him, you know, it's pretty complicated. So, um because a lot of people think that somewhere along the line, these entities do report back to one central organization or there's a one parent organization um, and the others are all like branches of that. Um, you know, I just want to go over it so that we see that that's really not necessarily the case. Um, so what the heck am I doing? I'm going to give you a primer on the four entities that directly manage wilderness areas. And I'm going to tell you what branch of the government they work for. And based on what the purpose of those entities is stated to be, I'm going to try and unlock, you know, what might be some useful approaches to um, establishing positive and productive relationships that might open some doors uh, to mountain biking in some of those areas if the, the STC's legislation is, in fact, successful. So the, the first question has got to be, how can I find out which of these organizations manage the wilderness area near me? Or for that matter, some of you might even wonder if there is a wilderness area near you. Well, it doesn't get any easier than this. So point your favorite web browser to uh, wilderness.net slash map.cfm. I'll put that in the show notes, too, so you can just 
click on it if you want to. You'll find a map of every wilderness area in the U.S. We're talking lower 48, Alaska, and Hawaii. And in each one, the, the perimeter on it will be color-coded to show who manages it. And that's going to either be the Forest Service, the National Park Service, the Fish and Wildlife Service, or the Bureau of Land Management, or BLM. The, the Forest Service I want to tackle first because it's kind of unique here, and, and we'll get to why in a minute. Um, but, but it's a branch of the Department of Agriculture. It's the only land management agency that isn't a Department of Interior agency because, oh well, we'll get to that in a second. Um, I mentioned this is interesting only because the stated purpose of the Department of Agriculture as it pertains to the Forest Service is to develop and execute federal laws related to forestry and protect natural resources. Um, which, you know, that doesn't really say a whole lot necessarily about specifically managing the land. That sounds like it's a very legal side of things. So um, anyway, the the deal here is that about 25% of all federal land falls under Forest Service management, and a great deal of that land is wilderness area. Uh, probably roughly one-third of all for Forest Service employees are actually firefighters, though. So, um, you know, there's the, the, you get the stated purposes of these organizations, and then you look at, at you know, where their, their manpower lies. And so it, it turns out that uh, they got a lot of firefighters, which is kind of understandable if you look at, you know, some of the... the wildfire situations and everything and you figure out you know these guys are involved in in helping with with um battling a lot of different forest fires and wildfires even if they're not necessarily on uh forest service land so uh with that said the the primary purpose of the forest service is is it's a natural resource uh, i'll spit it out in a minute it's a natural resource conservation sort of thing that, that that's their their primary purpose um but they also manage resource extraction and recreational opportunities so the forest service has a relatively small budget it's about 5.8 billion dollars um uh, you know you do what you want to with it numbers are numbers you look at what the government spends in total it's really a pretty small amount of money um the largest single item on that budget surprise it's firefighting um, if there's a key in with the Forest Service, it's going to be a combination of, you know, budget and managing recreational opportunities. Uh, as has been pointed out, not just by Dave in the interview with him, but by by many other people and in many other places, a, a huge amount of existing trail in wilderness areas is is in a state of disrepair and really makes it almost useless. The money and manpower simply doesn't appear to be available in the Forest Service to maintain all of the existing trail. And really, that's a problem across all of the wilderness areas, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. That's where the volunteer labor of mountain bike groups can really sway things in our favor. In nearly all of the instances where relationships have been established with mountain bike groups, they've proven to be beneficial to land managers because of the de dedication and, and effectiveness of volunteers. The, the numbers of which, if you combine the amount of time that they're willing to volunteer, really it vastly outweighs what any of the other groups out there are bringing to the table that I'm aware of. 
Uh, and the key here is to know where where there are existing trails that the Forest Service can't keep up with and to negotiate those trails open to mountain bikers in exchange for maintaining them. And that way you can take trails that were there for a reason, you know, recreation, which is one of their stated purposes, but they've fallen into disrepair. You can make them usable again and take that that cost burden off of that land manager. So it's it's an end that you can use. You know, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, we're we're looking for ways to ingratiate ourselves to them. It's it's you know everybody's got to have an angle though, right? So that's your angle there. Um the National Park Service. It's uh, it's a division of the Department of Interior. Um, from from this point on, I'm just going to call that the Department of Everything Else because the Department of Interior is it's a catch-all. Um, the Park Service's stated purpose is to preserve the historical and ecological integrity of the sites that it manages, as well as making them available for public enjoyment. Uh, you know, that's pretty vague. Uh, but, you know, you think about it, parks, there's usually some uh, historical purpose to a park or it's just a pretty place. And so, you know, really, that kind of covers it. You know, hey, we're going to we're going to take care of this stuff and, and make sure that it's here for the public to enjoy. So um, those folks have a lot of wilderness areas under their authority, largely because many of the wilderness areas were created inside of lands that were already under their authority. And because of that, we can kind of take a look at what makes a good park, and we can look at what makes a good wilderness area. We can figure a few things out. So one of the criteria for uh, the creation of a national park is that it needs to offer superlative opportunities for recreation. And this is directly from the National Park Service handbook, the legislation that goes with all of that. Superlative opportunities for recreation. Okay, so wilderness areas are supposed to be areas that are maintained in a pristine condition for the purpose of recreation in an unspoiled environment. So, really, the end for mountain bikes there is this. We're seeking recreation as well. Um, Look for a park, and I mean a national park here, not necessarily a bike park, which is typically a a commercial enterprise. Um, But look look for a park that allows bikes and not hiking. And you won't find one. Uh, and, and, and this is kind of backwards. I mean, keep in mind here that, that some of this is, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. You're not going to approach a land manager w- with this sort of, um, I, I guess, uh, overt hostility, maybe. I, I don't know. This is a little bit tongue-in-cheek. You're in here really is um, that that mountain bikers have relationships with other federal entities, uh namely the BLM at this point, but, but, you know, some forest service as well. Um, they, they have a relationship established with some of those people and it's proven beneficial. That's always going to be your first in, but, uh, but, but look at this for a second. And this is just, I'm going to throw this out there because, um, I kind of like playing devil's advocate. Sometimes it's fun. Um, you won't find a national park that allows bikes and not hiking. Uh, and and without getting too political, um, it really only makes sense to uh, allow, uh, you know, this form of recreation. You know, there are numerous studies proving that it's really no more disruptive to the environment than hiking. And, um, you know, that's kind of in, in any area where hiking is allowed. Um, 
it's it's an easy matter to talk about, you know, what's closed to mountain bikers and what isn't. The old argument of like just get off of your bike and it's open to you. You've heard that one, right? Um, you know, oh, the wilderness areas aren't closed to mountain bikers. All you have to do is get off your bike and walk like everyone else does. Leave your bike at the the border, right? Okay. Um well, um, that's kind of the equivalent of, of, excuse me, but telling a homosexual couple that they're free to get legally married as long as they marry a heterosexual partner. And I mean, they can legally marry now, but I'm talking about prior to like last year, right? Um, we all know that that won't fly now, right? I mean, um, and, and I'm saying this, you know, it's, being a mountain biker is, it's kind of like, you know, it's the same thing, a mountain biker, hiker, gay, straight, you know, it's, it's, this is, this is our lifestyle. Um, you know, it's, it's really, you look at any article where they go, you know, well, mountain biking is, is a lifestyle. And, and that's, you know, that's what they'll say about, you know, whatever, uh, like, sexual orientation y'all forgive me a little bit i'm not the most politically correct person i spend most of my time in the woods um you know most of my conversations happen you know happen to be with like with deer walking by or something um but what i'm saying is this this is how we live our lives it's not hurting you give us access to the same recreational opportunities okay now again demanding that isn't the way to go about it but um, you know, if you, if you look at the same budgetary considerations as a forest service, um, you know, as it pertains to maintaining the trails, you can make a strong argument the same way with the park service. And, uh, you know, if, if there's any questions about it, you know, you just say, Hey, look, you know, we're, we're really just looking for the same recreational opportunities that other groups have. And, and, you know, we can, we can offer help with the budget too. You don't have to go into all of the detail about what is or isn't fair or whatever. Um, but you know, uh, again, it's going to depend on the establishing of relationships and, and it will take time, but the, the logic that's been applied to, to other matters still applies here. Um, we're looking for the same opportunities enjoyed by other groups, uh, onto the fish and wildlife service. Um, it's another branch of the department of everything else. And perhaps predictably, uh, most of the purpose of this organization is to manage uh, fish and wildlife and their habitats. So many of the wilderness areas that they manage also allow hunting because they aren't just there for conservation, preservation, and replenishment. They're also there for management. Um, the idea that mountain bikers can help maintain trails in these wilderness areas will likely be as welcome to the help uh, of the staff here um, as as it would in any other area. Because, like traditionally, hunters are uh, not real good at, at taking care of trails. I mean, there are exceptions. Um, so please don't tell me you're a hunter and you go clear trails at your local wildlife management area before hunting season or whatever. I don't want to hear it because you know if you're that hunter. You know that compared to the number of people that use that area, you're the exception, not the rule. Whereas mountain bikers have a much higher percentage of of trail users who actually contribute to the maintenance of the trail. So um, th- that's one thing you will want to be aware of uh, going in, into a, a fish and wildlife service wilderness area is that um, many of them happen to be along waterways or they are swamps or wetlands. So there may be very little appropriate land to be utilized by mountain bikers in those. So just be aware of that. 
Um, otherwise, you know, the same thing applies. It's the same relationships. It's the same, the same arguments, um, in, in the same budget. And I'm not throwing, you know, budget figures for these guys, but, um, it's, it's all everybody, the entire government is hurting for money. That's why they want to raise taxes. Um, the, uh, the Bureau of Land Management is, surprise, also part of the Department of Everything Else. Historically, the, uh, the General Land Office and the Grazing Service were combined to create the Bureau of Land Management. So it's not surprising that, um, you know, there's a lot of grazing that goes on on, on uh, BLM land. Uh, because I guess one of the things here is that the BLM um, does have a focus. One of their big things is is managing mineral rights below the the surface of the land that they that they actually manage. So that means that they have you know for instance a good deal of like open open range um, land that exists because you know there's mineral potential there. Uh, and otherwise, they don't do a whole lot with it. So, you know, they're grazing land. Um, and beyond that, their stated mission is to sustain the health, diversity, and productivity of public lands for the use and enjoyment of present and future generations. Again, you know, pretty vague, but, um, you know, the BLM already manages a, a lot of land where mountain biking, not just mountain biking, but um, you know, off-road or like off-highway vehicles, um, dirt bikes, all, all kinds of stuff is permitted on BLM property. So really, um, once they have the option to allow mountain biking in wilderness areas, it should be pretty straightforward to have a conversation um, where you actually gain access uh, to, to uh, you know, a, an area that's under consideration there. Um, and the conversation, it really should go pretty easily because there is so much BLM land that is open to mountain biking. There's almost certainly already a relationship established at, at a local level with, with the BLM and, and most mountain biking groups where, where this conversation is going to um, apply. So I hope that that clears up a little bit about who manages wilderness areas and provides, you know, some, I mean, it's it's pretty general. It's pretty uh, it's pretty straightforward, really. It's it's mostly a, a money thing and a labor thing. If we can save them some money and help them manage the trails, then we're a welcome addition to the community there as long as we're actually uh, legally allowed to be members of the community. So um, there you go. And, and again, that's if the STC can, you know, pull through, uh, which, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. Um, Dave sent me an email um over the weekend and i sent him an email back we we were talking about just some of the some of the outcomes and some of the contact from uh the the interview that that he did on on trailcast and um he indicated that there there might be some news as early as later this month so you know hey even if it's even if it's just to say, hey, we're making progress, um, asked him to keep me in the loop. So uh, what I know something, you'll know something and uh, we'll try and get all that out to you. Now, I'm going to I'm going to ball up the notes, throwing away the notes. I had a little rant and uh, it's uh, it's the middle of the afternoon. Uh, I've been out 
building trails and ran out of water and came back and said, you know, it's a uh, high time to finish this episode up and get it out. So, uh, but, but I got a little rant and I'm just going to go on and do this like this. The, the Trailcast Facebook page, uh, I posted an article there about some changes, unauthorized changes being made to the Pinote Trail down in, in North Georgia. Um, I'm not going to rehash a bunch of the article. I posted it on the Facebook page. If you want to go read it, go read it. Um, here we go, because it's a pet peeve of mine. But here's the thing is uh, basically th- that trail has some very technical areas on it. And some riders uh, went in and, you know, reorganized some of the rock gardens to make them easier. And, you know, I, I get it. Um, you know, you, you want to go ride the Bonotti trail, but you don't necessarily want to, um, have to get off your bike and, you know, push it through the rock gardens. Maybe it hurts your feelings to not be able to ride through the rock gardens. Well, um, maybe that's not the trail for you. Maybe it just didn't, uh, either way, you know, if a trail is too hard for you, you really, you've got three options. You can Go ride the parts of it that you can ride and, and, you know, walk through the parts that you can. You can go ride the parts that you can ride and sit there and session the parts that you can't ride and make yourself better so that eventually, hopefully, you get to a point where you can ride those sections. And your third option is go ride somewhere else. Um... It, it these these trails and most of them are are old school uh, trails that have been there for a while. The the people who can ride these things they didn't just start riding. Okay, they've been riding for years. In most cases, they have paid some some serious dues. They've left a lot of skin on a lot of trails. Probably, uh, I I watched a guy one time session this. Um, it's like a rock in the middle of a trail that had the root ball of a tree had kind of grown over it. It was nasty. I walked it. Um, I'm not ashamed to admit that I, I walked it. Um, now later I, I went back and, and sessioned a little bit and was able to, to clean it without leaving any skin there. Um, can't say that for, uh, the guy that I was with at the time who sessioned it in, uh, three different times. He went over like the exact same way on this thing. And, and didn't, you know, wasn't like, you know, he wasn't destroying himself on it. But, you know, when you come off of a bike, you, you're hitting the ground somewhere. And, uh, and he hit his knee like three times and it started to puff up a little bit. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it was ugly. Okay. It was ugly, but he figured it out. Okay. And if you go out and ride and you get to a technical section and you're afraid to take a fall and you don't want to sit there and session it, you're probably not going to get better. Um, what I'm saying is this, the people who can ride that stuff, don't, don't you, you're not special. Okay. If you go out there and try to ride it, yes, you might fall off your bike. You might get hurt, but if you try and ride it, and you keep trying to ride it, eventually you'll figure it out. Okay. So don't 
go out there and and change it. There, there's an old adage in mountain biking: don't change the mountain to match your skills. Change your skills to match the mountain. Um, and, and that's what it's all about. Go in there and figure it out on the bike, not go in there and make it easy enough that you don't have to figure it out. Um, and, and, and that's, that's only like a third of the rant here because, because now there's somebody out there going, well, the trail is on public land. Whose trail is it? Well, who's the land manager? Okay. Um, you know, if, if it's a, if it's a national park, then the trail belongs to the National Park Service. If it's uh, in a national forest, it belongs to the Forest Service. If it's in a city park, it belongs to the city park. Um, and just because they happen to be public uh, organizations, agencies, part of the government, doesn't mean that, well, I pay taxes, it's my trail, I can go change it. Nope. No, that's not how that works. Um, see, somewhere there is a memorandum of understanding with an organization um, where they can maintain, build, uh, you know, do what they need to do with these trails. But it's it's with an organization usually. Sometimes it's with a person, but most of the time it's with an organization. And they have that memorandum of understanding with the land manager and they are the ones that are authorized to make changes to that trail. If you are not that organization or that person, then don't make changes without going through that organization. Um, the reason why is, is there's so many reasons why. Uh, the first one is so that people who don't know anything other than, well, that's too hard for me to ride, don't go out and do something stupid like take a sledgehammer to, you know, the most challenging feature on a trail and, you know, turn it into <laughs> a, a, a flat surface level with the rest of the trail because they beat the rock into gravel. Um, that's that's not the way to handle it. Um, and And, you know. If you look at the article that's on the Trailcast Facebook page, there is a comment there asking, well, you know, who is authorized and what can happen to somebody who, you know, who makes modifications to a trail without authorization? And, and the answer to the question is, um, in, in at least one case that I'm aware of, an individual was charged with destroying prop, a park property uh, for, you know, making changes to a trail without authorization. So, um that's not a it's not a chump change offense depending on what they uh what the the property manager values uh that trail feature at i mean if it's you know that that can if they say you know that trail feature um you know obviously if it's it's a rock like that i mean you're not just gonna water the ground and grow another rock um i mean it's 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 one of those things that, you know, maybe there's a rock that somebody can go get and, you know, put another rock in there where that was or something. I don't know. But um, that that's probably it might cost money. They might have a volunteer organization that can do it. But if they value that above a certain amount, you know, you, you can get into like felony destruction of property. You, know, you just well go set the local liquor store on fire or something. You know, you're going to come out the same. Um 
it's 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 not going to work out real good for you if um if they decide that they really want to you know tack your hide up over something like that so there's something to think about now i'm going to swing this completely the opposite direction i'm going to go way over the other direction here for a minute too because we've also had uh we've actually had instances of this happening um in in this area um where a, a, there's a memorandum of understanding between um the the Sorba Mid Ten and between uh Metro Parks and it's for a trail that is supposed to be a, an easy trail, a beginner level trail. And um, you know, there's you know, always guys, you know, that are in the neighborhood of a park and you know, maybe they're they're great riders, maybe they're not great riders or whatever, but there's always somebody in the neighborhood of the park that, that goes out and rides more than everybody else there. And and it's natural to some extent to develop a sense of ownership in the park. If, you know, if you're the one that's always there or whatever, regardless of whether you're actually authorized to make changes to the trails. So if you go out to this uh, park that has easy trails and you go, man, these trails are they're really they're really too easy kind of they're almost boring um but that roller right over there you know if i put a little lip on that roller uh man that'd make a nice little jump that'd be fun uh i think i'm gonna go over there and put a little lip on that well you put a lip on it uh some new guy comes through you know this relatively flowy sort of you know, fast, easy section of trail and hits this roller that's got this lip on it and it boots him up in the air. <laughs> All of a sudden he's going, Oh, I didn't know I had clearance for takeoff. Um, you know, that could end badly. He could get hurt. Um, he, he might have fun. You never know, but he could also get hurt. And and that's where the problem develops is that if somebody goes down this trail, that's marked easy and on the main portion of the trail through this fast flowy section, goes over this little roller and there's a lip on it and you know he he hits a tree and breaks his collarbone well <clears throat> that might not be cheap i mean it could actually be expensive to break a collarbone in this day and age um so he goes to to you know parks and rec and he goes guys this is supposed to be an easy trail man how did i end up airborne on this it's like there's this jump here and parks and rec goes well, there's not supposed to be a jump there. You know who catches the heat for that is the organization that has the memorandum of understanding with the land manager. And all of a sudden, you know, a, an established relationship can go south because somebody made an unauthorized change to a trail and, you know, plans to build trails in other parks or more trails in that park can be jeopardized by something like that. So the 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 upshot of this whole thing is, you know, it works both ways. Um, for sure, we don't need people dumbing down some of the old school technical trail that we have that advanced riders like. And at the same time, there will be instances where those old school trails may not be sustainable enough to suit a land manager. They might talk to the organization that uh, they have an agreement with regarding trails there and say, can you modify this so that it's more sustainable, reroute this so that it's more sustainable and close this old section? And if 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 that's the case, you know, it's like, well, we got to sacrifice this section of trail 
in order to maintain access to all of the rest of the trail here. And in that instance, you know, don't go back and like throw all of the logs off of the old section and, you know, remove all of the trees or whatever that, you know, they move saplings in there to don't, don't open the old trail back up. You know, if it was closed by the organization at, at the request of the land manager, respect that because, you know, first you're disrespecting the land manager. That's always going to end poorly. Second, um, you know, the volunteers that are respecting the land manager that are working with the land manager, they're the ones that are making those trails really happen anyway, and disrespecting the time that they took to do it. Um, you know, and the same thing with like the, an easy trail or something, you know, you get a bunch of volunteers that go out and they build this beginner trail, you know, maybe it's the perfect place to have like take a kid mountain biking day or something. And you think, well, just because you live a couple miles up the road, you want to change something on the trail, you know, because, because you like to jump or whatever, um, you know, that's, again, you're disrespecting the land manager's wishes because the agreement there was for, for an easy trail. And you're disrespecting the volunteers that come out there and took the time to to build it to begin with. And then, you know, you're disrespecting the organization where they got to come out and fix all of the stuff that you're modifying so that it's an easy trail again before they can go build, you know, the next section of trail, which might be more to your liking. So don't. Don't make unauthorized changes to trail. Don't make unauthorized changes to trail. Don't make unauthorized changes to trails. Don't do it. Okay. Um, if if you have an idea for a trail, if you think something needs to be done on a trail, there's there's always somebody to contact. There's always a, a trail to follow. And you know, usually, if if you go to a couple of work days and and the the guys that are in charge of this stuff know who you are, and you contact one of them and you go, hey guys, I noticed you know blah, 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 needs to be done over here. And I was just thinking, you know, I go out there and ride quite a bit. If you want me to take care of that one day when I go out there, I can, it's not a problem. And if you've got a relationship with them, much like, you know, they have a relationship with a land manager, um, they may very well get to a point where they trust you to, you know, be somebody who can just say, Hey, I noticed this problem. I'm going to take care of this. And they go, yeah, go for that. Thank you. We appreciate it. Um, but until you get to that point, um, work, work with the organization and not um, don't don't freelance. It's not it's not cool to freelance where it's not your place to freelance. So um, if you want to get in on the conversation on Facebook, check out the Trailcast page at www.facebook.com slash Trailcast Podcast. You can also follow along with what I'm up to on Twitter by following at Catharius, that's C-O-T-H-A-R-Y-U-S, and on Instagram using the same name, Catharius. As ever, thanks to Ben at Mountain Bike Radio for giving me a forum for the podcast. Head over to mountainbikeradio.com and support them. Check out uh, some of the other shows that are over there. And uh, remember, you can get the shows through Stitcher. You can download the Mountain Bike Radio app from the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store. You can also just grab the podcast through iTunes. If you like what you hear, hit the rating section wherever you're getting your podcasts and give it a good review. Uh, That makes it easier for everybody else to find. More listeners, more support, more support, more shows. More, better, hey, more is better, right? That's it for episode 18 of Trailcast. Thanks for listening, and remember, 
You don't need mountains to mountain bike, but you do need trails. 